0: If we don't make a difference in other people's lives, what are we doing? I think that's the thing that I would encourage everybody to think
1: about. We are Michael Veazey in London, England. And Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. More importantly, you are the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be. We're here to get you there. For show notes with links and resources mentioned today, and for other GC resources like downloads, just visit our blog, TheEcommerceLeader.com. Today's sponsor is Eva, the best Amazon stock management tool. How much has going out of stock cost you over the lifetime of your business? And what is it going to cost you this Q4? EVA predicts precisely what stock you need. It learns from your account and it improves constantly. EVA serves hundreds of private label seven-figure sellers. To get a 15-day free trial, go to amazingfba.com forward slash EVA. That's amazingfba.com forward slash EVA. Hey folks, welcome back to the e-commerce leader. Today we're talking about a different subject to the usual, purely business and profit-focused ones, something very close to Jason's heart, Jason and Cinnamon. And that is about combining and integrating indeed charity and business in your life, which I think has resonances for all of us, even if you're not particularly as Jason and Cinnamon are on such a mission to help the world. So do stay tuned and you'll learn a a few interesting things about how you integrate life and business generally, I think. So uh, enjoy this rather different episode of the e-commerce league. Nice. Yeah, it's a good little, uh, little phrase to remember. And yeah. talking of Tom's shoes then, without we could talk about that as a, as a specialist case study. Happy to hear yeah. your summary of it. But just more broadly, what are the pitfalls and downsides of entering into this? You've mentioned theory of change, which implies you think what the problem is, which you mm-hmm. may not, and you think on this list, was, I'm sure may often be wrong. So how do we, yeah, what are the downsides first of all?
0: Yeah, if you're not familiar with the story of Tom's Shoes, it was insanely popular. Buy one, give one model. And Blake Makowski started it and pioneered that concept. It became super trendy. He was super good at earned media in LA. He was connected and it just blew up as a brand. And on the ground in places like Central America or South America or Africa, the shoes, you'd buy a pair of shoes and then another pair would be given to, to a child in need, that kind of thing. The problem was implementation and, and the distribution of shoes broadly. The question is, is the distribution of shoes like on the ground in a place like Nome Bay Compound where we were helpful to the local context. I never will forget sitting in the principal's office of a school in Nome Bay Compound and the principal being quite agitated that she had gotten boxes and boxes of Tom's shoes. The problem was, it was a primary school, so 1st through 6th grade, 7th grade, whatever. And all the shoes that she got were like large sizes, men's 9 to 12, women's, whatever large size women's shoes are. And none of the sizes were for the kids in her school. And so, I asked her what had happened. And as it happened, she was a sub-grantee, which is a phrase. So, she, uh, she was a downline beneficiary from another charity. And the charity had obviously creamed the crop of what they wanted. They took the shoe sizes they wanted and they gave her all the ones that made no logical sense. So then she had all these huge boxes. She still had kids that didn't have adequate shoes. It was just a, it was just a poorly executed idea. And, and then besides the fact that well, what about the local shoe merchants in that community? So all the shoes have been given away. and Those are challenging implementation problems. And so Bombass's approach to work directly with with homeless shelters seems like a little bit more elegant implementation. And so, anyway, so that's the idea. The theory of change goes directly to what are you doing? And really, theory of change, if you want to geek out over it, go read the goal by Eliyahu Goldrate, who in his famous book, which is about the law of theory of constraints, asks three questions What do you change? What do you change to? And how do you make the change? And those three questions are perfect precursors to the idea of a nonprofit
1: formulating their theory of change as they work in a community or with people. By the way, I re-listened to this book recently on the back of a conversation with a Mastermind member because it occurred to me that, It was the answer to the question he was asking me. And I haven't gone back to him, talked about it yet, because it's quite hard to grasp in some ways, but it's a fantastic book. I'm just, I would totally endorse reading that for everyone in business as well, actually. So coming back to the mistakes then, (laughs) Tom shoe sounds... like a a crass error on one hand and a more subtle error on the other so the crass error is just a a distribution problem you're giving men's shoes to children that's obviously a bit like amazon delivering the wrong size shoes it's a bit silly obvious yeah but yeah but the other thing the effect on the local shoe making community is a more subtle one so that really Mm -hmm. brings me to The other question, which I guess you've been doing this for 20, 30 years, I guess you've seen some big mistakes that people make when they try and interfere into the lives of, or intervene, shall we say, slash interfere in in the lives of people who have what they perceive as a need. So what mistakes have you seen that are the worst ones?
0: There's a whole body of professional work around the idea of international relief and development and how to do it. And I think the good work, I'll frame it positively and then mention a few negative components, but... The good work is done as really co-creation work with a community. And like when I started in 2009 in Nome Bay Compound with those eight moms, I didn't know what they needed. I didn't know how to help them. I didn't know how their community worked. I knew they were making beaded necklaces to try to sell, to try to raise money for a school they wanted. You can comprehend all that stuff pretty quickly. And so over the course of six or nine months, we worked together. And then we ultimately started making school uniforms. And for six years, all they did was made school uniforms. The parents or guardians would make micro-installment payments, and uh, the schools were benefiting by having a, a uniform school. It's a British uh, follow-on colonial system, so they follow in the British form of all having their school uniforms. And uh, that was important for the school, for school pride and stuff. And so it was co-created. It was a back and forth for nine months to figure out whether that made sense or not. And I think part of the mistake that can be made with many charitable efforts is a rush to action and a rush to uh, a presumptive decisions and logic that are grounded in the, the American's mind or the the Westerners' mind or point of view. Oh, we know what the problem is. There's no water here. Let's drill a well. Okay, that's simple. Okay, the well breaks down nine months later, but you're not there anymore. Then the Then the well is a totem to the Americans who came and went and the people still go to the streams to fetch water and many things like that happen. Africa in particular is full of broken wells, bikes that don't work, buildings that are hovels now, the, just a lot of failed concepts. And I think a lot of it is because we, wanna, we want to make quick decisions, quick action. And we're not really, sadly, many times invested for the long term in people's lives and in relationships, and, uh, and I think that's part of it. We also have an absolute control need as Westerners. They call it the golden rule in charity. He who has the gold makes the rules, and uh, it's just sad. You see a lot of control freaks in the in implementing charitable efforts, and it's really subjugation of people. And if you're working with a community that's struggling, the last thing they need is some white guy bossing them around from America, honestly. It's like on top of everything else. Now we have the supposed experts from the West who are now telling us things. Really? That's, the, that's what we need on top of the misery and desperation we're in. And you just have to be really thoughtful about what you're doing and, uh-huh. and, not, and not go in blindly to your own self-interest and motivations. And there's issues like poor governance, poor organizational structure, bad theories of change we've talked about already, coming in arrogantly, coming in. With a know-it-allism that's just distasteful and wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not only is it wrong, but it's also dist- distasteful.
1: So you know, that, those are the hard, those are hard things to
0: see and observe over time.
1: And again, reflecting on, my intended to generalize, so I can I, I'm reflect on my own experience that. These sounds like the habits of bad corporate workers as well needing mm-hmm. to be in control. Everyone hates yeah. a boss who makes you stay in late to do, I don't know, create a presentation or something that you yeah. know is unnecessary or poor governments, poor organization arrogance and yeah, that just sounds in other words, it's just humans being humans allowing yeah. their weaknesses to come through. Yeah. Many parts of the nonprofit operations are business functions. It is a
0: business adventure in many ways, once you once you scale from one to one caring and trying to help someone personally to trying to help a community of people or trying to help a group some t- group of people you're really operationalizing something that's very similar to business i've lived in both worlds now for a long time and it's just different thinking sometimes and different terminology but the underpinnings
1: of much of the work is very similar yeah which to the point of what we have- Partly you're talking about today, which is if if you've got, if you want to scratch the itch of having your own charitable giving sort of activity, then it sounds like a lot of the skills and some of the mindset at least would transfer well from the business world to Mm -hmm. the charitable world with some areas that really need careful thought and change, really. Yeah. 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 But it's very encouraging to me, first of all, I admire the fact that you do this because you don't have to. It's, there's nothing forcing you to do except your conscience. And I think that's, yeah. that speaks very well of anyone who does that. But also, I know that it's very encouraging to think that it can be done well because we hear those dark stories and you've articulated yourself about how it can go wrong. But also, it sounds like you, you're very respectful and careful about how you've done it. So yeah. very encouraging stories that are coming from you. So any final takeaways or words of encouragement to those who are wanting to make a difference?
0: Yeah, I think it's the most vital work of our lives. Cinnamon and I will look back on our charitable work and say it was the mission and purpose of our life. We won't look back on our e-commerce efforts and say that with the same clarity. We we feel like we're funding our charity work with e-commerce, and we want both to go well. But we're really, at the end of the day, convicted that. If we don't make a difference in other people's lives, what are we doing? I think that's the thing that I would encourage everybody to think about. Our world is growing, increasingly divisive and polarized and ugly. Just, I don't know, man. I don't know how you feel in London, but it just sounds weird to me, but things were a lot better in the 80s and 90s than they are now. And I look back and I think to myself, Yes, maybe we all have more money and better cars and bigger houses, maybe, but maybe that's not even true. Maybe that's just true of my my family, my context maybe, ish. But but the truth is I think we all would agree that we need people and as individuals to really contemplate how we can be better in service to people in our communities and uh, and do a better job caring and it, it seems as if, from my point of view, we become less caring as a culture in the West, at least, in the U.S. at least, over the last 10, 15, 20 years. And that's that's something for all of us to ask ourselves, how do we correct course? And how do we demonstrate personally? Not a virtue signaling status creating Facebook version of something I supposedly say I care about but actually just shut up and do something meaningful and don't even talk about it. Just
1: do it and do it. Is that allowed it? in the internet world? I know <laughs> you're allowed right? to do something without doing Instagram posts. And I'm just as guilty. I was just thinking that last no. time I have done anything at all for charities because I was running for half marathon and that was for my health and i set myself yeah. the challenge so i'm not pretending to be virtuous really but i've got to yeah if i'm going to raise money for the charity i've got to talk about it on facebook because otherwise how, how do i raise awareness of it yeah. so there is an intrinsic yeah. kind of virtue signaling kind of component which i agree is very kind of distasteful and i always look at it and think oh god not another facebook group for me yeah. facebook yeah. posts people get enough facebook posts for me in their feed and yet i do believe in the charities that i've supported yeah. so yeah there, it depends I suppose, why you're doing things. It's not the same be- behaviors, maybe yeah. motivated by different things. And then a lot of us, yeah. myself included, have to examine the truth of why you're doing stuff.
0: But um, you're in a very interesting space, too, because I know how musical, how deep your musical work and professionalism runs with you and your wife. So you've got to be doing a lot of stuff that is actually for nonprofits or charities yeah, when you do most of the stuff, work I do.
1: Yeah, and I guess that pretty much all the counts. musical organizations That's... I've ever worked for are constituted as nonprofits. That's yeah. probably true. Yeah, yeah.
0: I think there's something there. I think for a lot of people, this isn't far afield. Hmm. We just maybe sometimes don't, or we don't orient ourselves to actually how close to the charitable work we really are, and then just be intentional more about that. I, I'll never forget traveling one time, we were going to Ukraine, actually, as it happens, in 1993. And and I never forget, we stopped in Helsinki, Finland. And mm. we were over the, like, two nights or overnight, and I walked into this big, it's like a glass dome church, I think, or whatever, but I never forget the music they were rehearsing for The Next Day's Thing. We mm. sat in that and listened to those people, and I just... To me, that was one of the most striking musical experiences of my life. I don't remember what they were doing because it was, it was not in English. But, but I'll just never forget how powerful that experience was. And music changes people's lives in many ways. And there's yeah. tons of opportunity to use music as service. And
1: so anyway, so there you go yeah just as my little personal example i suppose that the most charitable work i do is i'm getting paid as a worker for the charity but helping choirs of mostly mm-hmm. aging choirs because the entire mm-hmm. demographics of of the world but particularly of europe including uk is aging and yep. a lot of lonely people who come out of the house once a week in order to sing in their local choir so try and make it a good evening for them as their conductor so yeah i guess we all have our ways of giving and uh, yeah that's really, your point. that's really awesome man honestly it's so really powerful. impactful and i uh, your point i guess there's nothing wrong with having a structure and it's taken me a few years to allow myself this thought that you articulated so well which is that I'm allowed to be good at business and to help people with business and to run my own businesses and also admit that the thing that I will look back on and get is those concerts that I put on for the the aging choirs rather than the e-commerce wins just as you said that you're going to look back on your charitable work as your main life's work which is it's good to give yourself permission to do that. It feels like a weird sort of dichotomy in the world sometimes talking to buying divisions yeah. between yeah. That's right. that kind of e-commerce traditional pitch, live the good life, go and spend all your time in Hawaii surfing or whatever it is that you're supposed to be doing or buying yeah. Teslas. Nothing wrong with that, but that just feels a bit empty. I'm like, okay, that sounds great, yeah. but w- what am I actually going to try and achieve with my life, with the energy I've got? H- how am I going to have an impact that I care about? And so you're really helping to square that circle today. So I think this has been a, A fruitful conversation, somehow. I think it's something that's not talked about enough.
0: Well, there are a lot of people who who listen to the podcast who are people of faith, Christians. And I would just say, go read Acts chapter 20. And really the person in the New Testament who pioneered business to run your life and doing different charitable work or ministry was the Apostle Paul. He was a tent maker. That phrase is from him making tents in the marketplace. Acts chapter 17, he first uses the phrase, the marketplace. And the and that whole journey that he was on, t- take apart the theology, but just as, as like a business operator for a moment. And the journey he was on was he wanted to fund his own way in his work. And he made tents with Aquila and Priscilla, these two people who were Italian leather makers, and that whole journey he was on was so that he could say, I can raise money for the poor and for the missions work, and no one can accuse me that I'm taking any, a do, even a dollar from it, because I fund my own way. And that is just so not popular right now. It's like <laughs> Cinnamon and I feel like that's, that is the model that we follow. We consider ourselves tent makers, and that's just not, that is so far out of vogue. You have to explain it to people before you can even have them have an opinion about it. But their opinion is, yeah, that doesn't sound fun at all. It's like, <laughs> I'd rather work for a charity full time and get, a, get paid by the charity, or I'd rather be in business and just do business and then give on the side. But that whole train of thinking, that's not new. And it's certainly not, it is, there's a lot of logic there. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of wisdom in that approach where you can say, hey, Our charity, our overhead rate, like this is for real, for our overhead rate last year was 4%. The year before it was 2.9%. It was 4% because we had to write a check to set up a legal entity in Zambia. But, and so it was up compared to the prior year, but the biggest expense in most charities is staffing. Yeah. And then the second biggest expense is marketing. Mm -hmm. If you know how to take both of those out of a charity, you will have an insanely efficient charity. And these things are, they're not new ideas but they're forgotten, and they're worth exploring, I think, on my way of thinking. It, especially for people who are motivated by, if the Apostle Paul is somebody who you look up to, that if that resonates with you, then go study his work and really think through what he wrote and said about all this stuff and I think it will be instructive.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I vaguely remember my teachings around Paul, but that was a, a, yeah. educational for me, certainly the, the, the tent-making yeah. story. Uh, very interesting. And I'm sure that in the interests of balance, I would say that other religions I have some Muslim sure, friends, yeah. there are many Muslims in, in London that are practicing Muslims yeah. have, uh, as I understand it in my very dim way, similar mm-hmm. kind of figures. And uh, most of the major charities of the world, I'm um, sorry, the major religions of the world, I would say, seem to have a lot of injunctions around mm-hmm. kindness Given. and mm-hmm. giving and that's sort of thing right. yeah i don't think it's a uniquely christian but as you say yeah. it doesn't drive very well with a lot of the messages that we've absorbed in american culture they say when america sneezes britain catches a cold so it's very similar yeah. the divisiveness yeah. in britain yeah as you said the 80s and 90s probably were better i'm just about old enough to have been born into the three-day week when there were massive strikes and we're back on strikes mm. again we had rail and tube or underground trains or subway strikes over the last week it's been almost impossible to move in london yeah. yes in a divided world we could do with more thinking about helping other people for sure so i guess we better wrap this one up but interesting discussion man thank you so much for sharing something and it's really close to your heart and it's really refreshing to have a message on a commercial channel about e-commerce that is not purely about just making a buck but the reason why you bother making a buck in the first place right what all matters Uh, so coming back to the more conventional wrap-up i guess we better do the usual thing which is to say first of all thank you so much if you've been listening hope you found this a different episode i've certainly found it very educational and um Proof that you doesn't have to be either or, but both and Jason and and cinema living proof of that, I think. And uh, if you've enjoyed today, don't forget, of course, to subscribe to the show on Spotify, join the ever growing set of people who've joined us there and Apple podcasts. If you're on Apple or Spotify, D give us a rating out of uh, five stars. And uh, final thing is, yeah, go and be inspired. Go and listen to this again. If you've been inspired and go take some action. And following Jason and Cinnamon's uh, footsteps. Thanks, man.
0: One final commentary on my side. You can go see what we do on our charitable site at sopowerful.org or the3estersfarm.org. So our feeding and food-related programming work is 3 Esters Farm and our sewing-related work is So Powerful, S-E-W, Powerful. And uh, feel free to check those out.
1: That was the E Commerce Leader Podcast with Michael Vizi in London, England, and Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. If you liked this content, don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast app. For free resources, including PDFs and videos on topics like traffic, products, and sales channels, just go to www.theecommerceleader.com. No hyphens, just as it sounds. Thanks so much for listening.